I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2023 and beyond. A roster that, as you know, I always like to say, will compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy, hopefully. (laughs) Um, And we're seeing that around the NFL right now, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the teams that are going into... Um, these playoffs, you know, we've closed out the divisional round today. Um, you're going to have Bengals, Chiefs, um, you know, 49ers, Eagles. And so, you know, pretty exciting from that perspective. Uh, the NFL season starts to come um, to a close. And in fact, we also know that, uh, um, you know, there's something like, I think there's, no matter which team makes the Super Bowl, I, I saw this today on, on Instagram, there's actually going to be a Steeler that's going to win the Super Bowl because of guys like Juju, Javon Hargrave, um, Mike Hilton um, as well. So it's kind of, it's pretty interesting from that perspective as well um, in terms of the different um, players that are that are sort of out there playing on the different teams that will form a Steelers. Um, but good luck to them um, as they continue on. Now, in this week's show, we're going to look at um, the Senior Bowl. Now, people who know the Senior Bowl roster started um, sort of coming out from mid-December onwards. There have been a couple of shows, you know, shows like Move the Sticks, um, you know, from the NFL Network have been covering it. There's all different different sort of people that have been covering it. I know um, Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts have covered it. Now, I went on there. I spent a bit of time. Um, I'm actually, actually, I'll just pause there. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm recording this podcast actually live on location in Japan. I'm in Tokyo. Um, for my for my day job and um, it's evening right now and 
it was kind of interesting because on the plane over, I watched a lot of the Senior Bowl stuff. As those that regular listeners of this show know, um, the last two years in a row, I've really focused on Senior Bowl um, and, and sort of what that means for the Steelers, particularly last year um, and the different prospects uh, coming out of that game. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett was a key one, um, really, for the Steelers uh, last year in terms of the draft and the Marvin Leal. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about in today's show. But I did think you'd be interested to know, I, in my, on my lunchtime today, I was walking around in, in um, a certain district of Tokyo near my hotel, and I found a NFL store. Um, now, it wasn't a merchandise store. It was actually like a American football equipment store, you know, with like pads and, um, you know, uh, the face masks and helmets and, and all these different sorts of piece of equipment. They had a old Oklahoma game on in the background where they had uh, Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And then they had a bunch of Steelers gear as well. Um, so that was really quite interesting too. Uh, so I picked up a Steelers cap as a bit of a souvenir that I can say I've got a Steelers cap that I got in Tokyo of all places. It was just really, it was just really quite funny. Um, so anyway, let's crack into this week's show. So really, um, we'll start, I could have done this by position, but what I've instead decided to do is break this down into the national team and the American team. Now, the other thing that I've done is there's different lists that you're going to find on the internet of players um, and, and that, are, that, have been com- that have committed or said yes or been invited. What I have done is gone off the players that are actually on the website that are listed as saying yes, because there's still a few weeks for people to um, fully commit to that. And so we're going to start with the American team. And so I've, I picked five players. Um, you know, on each team that we can that we're going to look at, particularly on today's show, and, and they're players that I think that it's good to watch um, when we come to the Senior Bowl this year. All right, so on the American on the American team, the first player I wanted to look at was Henry Toto, the linebacker out of Alabama. Now that might be different to how you guys Americans are used to uh, that being pronounced, but I've played rugby with a lot of Islanders, and that's how I would pronounce the name, having seen a lot of. Um, Islander names as well, so apologies for any mispronunciation. Um, he led the team in tackles with 113 this year. He was an all-SEC t- second-team player, according to the Draft Network. Um, they sort of talk about a lot of the pros um, from him as an inside linebacker. He's got high high football IQ. Um, he's able to decipher through traffic to find ball carriers and make the tackle at or near the line of scrimmage. He also shows to be a high IQ player in pass coverage. In zone drops, he does a good job of reading the QB's eyes and understanding route concepts to play the passing lanes and be disruptive. The other part of Toto's game that is impressive is his athleticism. He's got sideline to sideline speed to close ball carries quickly and make the tackle. He looks to be a good linebacker who was very productive in his first year at Alabama. They say his cons are deficiencies simply come from his lack of size. In the run game at times, he can be covered up by offensive linemen and struggles to immediately get off blocks. Teams that have had a downhill running attacks appear to frustrate him because it puts him in confined spaces where he can't um, or has less room to operate, and he's got to deal with offensive linemen coming straight at him. Um, he does appear to have great functional strength. He's just simply not the type of downhill thumper inside linebacker. He's effective in that scheme, but I believe he should be used in space where his range and natural instincts to make plays can stand out. To me, this is a player that replaces Devin Bush. This is a player with that 30-second pick um, from the Claypool trade. You bring him in. Now, you've got a thumper developing... Um, in Mark Robinson, you've got a Robert Spillane. Even if you get a Miles Jack, this is your chance to bring in a guy that's like very well experienced, SEC starting inside linebacker. Um, I, I think I think the Steelers are going here um, in the first couple of rounds. I, I do. 
I've liked him, um, you know, for a long time. I talked about him last year and that before he committed um, to go back to Alabama. And I do think he's someone that the Steelers could look at, particularly because of the multiple fronts he could play in. Um, it was also, you think about the way the Steelers scheme in the defensive line, they might be able to get around some of these cons. So Henry Toto is definitely a guy to watch at the Senior Bowl. Um, we kind of probably don't want him to have you know, the world's best senior bowl. Otherwise, uh, he might slip into the first, but I all the force the Steelers to use a 30-second 30, 30, 30 pick on him rather than a pick later. Um, but he, as I say, he's definitely someone that I think really Steelers fans should be watching because he's the sort of guy that could really support um, our team um, moving forward in the years ahead. And if you know, even if they do keep Miles Jack, and I talked about trading him or cutting him on last week's show when we, we did that sort of keep, cut, consider um, sort of section... Even if you keep him, it gives it gives Toto a chance to sort of be blooded and brought in while you also still bring on Mark Robinson. So I don't think it's someone you wouldn't draft purely because um, you know you've kept Miles um, Jack. I, I think that would be that, that's looking at it very um, sort of close close shop if that makes sense. The next guy on the American team listed is a guy called Tajay Spears. Um, now, a lot of people on the NFL uh, in the community have already said they're sort of going to confuse him for Tajay, um, Tajay, Tajay Sharp. I've tried to put Tajay Sharp out of my mind so I can get Tajay Spears in there. He's running back out of Tulane. He had 1,581 rush yards in 2022, 19 TDs, yards per carry of 6.9. Um, and then he had, uh, I think, reception uh, receiving yards 256. Um, he bounced back from a torn ACL in 2020, so that is that is an injury mark. Um, in his history, but they, you know, according to the draft network, he's an explosive runner with easy acceleration. I, I personally think you do see that on tape. They also talk about his breakaway speed, which allows him to get significant chunk yardage. Um, Tulane actually had a blended run scheme that utilized a balanced approach to zone and gap runs, and Spears is comfortable functioning in either concept. That's very good when you think about a Matt Canada, um, you know, offense. Now, I'll probably pause there and say you're wondering why I'm talking about a running back when we've already got Jalen Warren and we do have Najee Harris. If Tajay's there in the fourth or fifth round, like we're not going to be bringing back Benny Snell. Anthony McFarland's probably not working out for the Steelers. This guy falls. You have a look at him. You you know, because, you know, we saw what a slow start from Najee meant. Imagine if Najee was injured. Would we just trust Jalen Warren to carry us through? Probably not. Um, so this is, why I'm re- this is why I'm reviewing Spears. And I do think he's an interesting player to watch as well. Um, other things that were really notable for the draft network were really around his um, twitch flexibility, elusiveness that make him shift in dynamic. He's a decisive runner that hits the hole with conviction both between tackles and when working off tackles. He's got good vision, ball security, and contact balance. Um, when it comes to concerns, they do talk about his narrow build might limit his ability to be a workhorse back. Hey, that could be a nice feature back with Warren and, and, and Harris. Um, and he's more of a complementary player. Um, the sort of criticism a little bit is that from the scout that, that reviewed this, which I think was, um, no, it's, it's, they've, all, they've all scouted him at Draft Network, but they did say they would have liked to have seen him more in the past game because that would have seen sort of that, um, sort of, you know, that, that role player that he could be um, as well because it's not going to be a feature back. Um, that would have helped. They basically say the top reasons to buy him, speed, quickness, agility, competitive running, competitive running style and instincts, vision, ball security and balance, Top reasons for concern. He's got a lean and narrow build. He ideally would have more experience on passing downs so that we talked about there. Um, and could he add additional value on special teams? I think his 40-yard time is going to be really important. Really important. 
Um, so yeah, they, they sort of say his value in the fourth round. I think this is where if he's in the fifth round, the Steelers, you, 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 know, you, have, you, you think about it. You certainly think about it um, on that list as well. The next guy is going to be, that I wanted to talk about um, on the American team is a guy out of TCU. That's right, TCU that uh, got kind of obliterated, um, <laughs> to say the least, um, in the in the college football um, playoff in the final. Um, but it's a guy called Steve Avila who we've actually talked about before on on Steelers War Room. He's a guy. He's probably my favorite. Um, he's one of my favorite one of my favorite offensive linemen that could go anywhere between the second and the fourth, um, depending on how people felt about, you know, the sort of where TCU finished the season. Because I have talked about him, I didn't want to go into too much um, focus on him in today's show. But he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be watching with real, you know, real intention um, at, the, at, the, at the Senior Bowl and through the Combine. Because you saw... The senior bowl last year, I was I was actually a little bit surprised, I'll be honest, at, at how much I felt offensive linemen were defined. Like Cam Jurgens had a really, really good, um, really good senior bowl. There were a couple of other offensive linemen as well that had good senior bowls. There are other guys that didn't. Um, you know, uh, Max, um, oh, what's his name? Um, the one that's playing for that, he's drafted in the fourth round. He plays for the Jets. Anyway. Uh, he he was someone that had a pretty poor senior bowl, but he's actually done all right in the NFL, which is kind of interesting. But there were other guys um, that you saw really struggle against. Um, Travis Jones, for example, and that made me... I think there were a lot of uh, offensive one sort of ended up coming into question um, after after the senior bowl. So I think that that's why it's going to be really big um, for Steve Avila to, to have a top senior bowl, particularly after the way um, you know TCU sort of closed out their season. Uh, I think that's going to be really important. Um, the next player on the American team that I wanted to look at was a guy called Will McDonald. Now, Will McDonald's an edge player, six foot four, two hundred forty-five pounds, so that would make him an outside linebacker in the Steelers' sort of three-four scheme. He's had he had five sacks in twenty twenty-two, six quarterback hits, five tackles for a loss, and twenty-four tackles. He played for Iowa State, um, the Cyclones. Uh, he played he's played in more than fifty games during his college career. His most productive years at Iowa State were during 2020 and 2021. He had double-digit sacks in both seasons and was the co-defensive lineman of the year and first-team All-Big 12 for 2021. Um, his production dropped significantly in the 2022 season with only five sacks, but that could have, they, the draft network says that could have been a result of him playing a higher variance of alignments along the defensive front. As a pass rusher, he's a speed rusher who uses a quick first step to snap and attack the outside edges of offensive tackles at the apex of the rush. Um, McDonald shows to have hand counters, two-hand swipe, cross-chop that he can use to get to the edge and turn the corner on offensive linemen to finish at the quarterback, showcasing fluid hips as well. He's a smooth strider who, when his foot cadence times up with his hands, flashes the potential to be a high-level edge rusher on the next level. As an edge rusher, there are elements of his game that he can improve upon. He does appear to be a, be a straight-line player whose ability to instantly change direction laterally is limited. McDonald's lateral moves are segmented, which affects his ability to stress offensive linemen laterally, and they have the ability to react to block McDonald. As a run defender, he's functionally based on his alignment. At Iowa State, he aligned on both the inside and the outside shade of the tackle. He's best utilized when he's on the outside shade of the tackle, where he can work on setting the edge and doesn't have to worry about potential double teams. His overall strength is, concern, is a concern playing on the line of scrimmage. So he's basically, he's going to be a 3-4 outside linebacker versus a 4-3 um, 
you know, defensive end. That that's what that's what the size and speed and what we're talking about is talents there. Top reasons to buy in, they say natural length, upside as a pass rusher, high motor. Top reason for concern, strength at the point of attack, effectiveness defending the run, lack of pass rush repertoire. Now, they call him fourth round value. I could see a team going as high as the third. I don't really think late second. Um, yet Draft Network have also said three, four outside linebacker. I don't like to fully check these before um, I put them on the show because I like to judge my own sort of evaluations on notes that I've already taken down and then look at what the, like, you know, or better experts than me, um, you know, sort of suggest as well. Anyway, so when it comes to um, Will McDonald, again, fourth round, the Steelers need some depth at the outside linebacker position. We saw the Malik Reed thing not really work out. They had Jameer Jones. Um, they lost... Um, Derek Tutska, um, you know, I still think Quincy Roche was a big mistake um, to let him go. I think Will McDonald uh, is a guy to watch, and I think he will provide some value, particularly. Yeah, I know that we're probably going to re- re-sign Sice Highsmith or try to. Um, I think we need a really solid third in there so that, you know, if TJ Watt is out or we need to spell TJ Watt or he's got a niggle, there's someone in there that can come in and make a difference because... We didn't have that this year, um, and we saw the challenge that that was. Same with Highsmith; he's he hasn't missed much football. Um, you know, I don't wish injuries on anyone, but it, but it could happen. It could happen. Um, so yeah, that's Will McDonald. That's the that's the the fourth player um, of the American team. Then the fifth player that I really wanted to look at um, as well was uh, Darnell Wright, the tackle out over at Tennessee. Now he actually transferred. Um, this year over to Tennessee and had a much better season. Obviously now, now obviously Tennessee, um, you know, had a really, you know, they started off the season very, very well. Um, and so, you know, he's, for that, you know, he's going to look really good. One of the things that I thought was interesting when I was listening and listening to some of the um, feedback about Darnell Wright um, in some of the videos that I was watching on the plane over was the fact that he, when when he transferred over, he moved from being a left tackle um, to over to being a right tackle, and how much that had actually improved his performance. And I think that's really noteworthy as well when you think about um, players in the NFL and how they're getting ready and and, and how quickly he was able to actually um, you know achieve that. So he basically started seven games and played in eleven as a true freshman, earning all SEC honors. He became a full starter right tackle in 2020, and in 21 he moved to the blind side, starting all 13 games at left tackle spot. Um, this is according to Pro Football Network. Um, Wright has shown a lot, a lot in his time at Tennessee. He's displayed versatility, reliability, and high-end physical talent. But diving into the details, um, does Wright a massive dominating physical spectacle? Has a future in NFL starter? Um, they talk about him being 6'6", uh, 335 pounds. Um, they say that he's got like, you know. Um, incredible tools um and so you know he's got he's as a five five star recruit six six 335 pounds so good height good weight great length um he's got impressive athleticism that's something they really highlighted at him as a tackle um he's nimble and fleet-footed for his frame um he brings elite overall power capacity he stores devastating potential energy and knockback power and can shock even larger defenders at contact stonewalling opponents and halting momentum instantly with strikes. He can also reload his arms and re-exert power with impressive suddenness and force. That sounds like a guy that you want protecting Kenny Pickett. Um, (laughs) They talk about him locking rip moves with impressive consistency, especially against smaller defenders, um, and he can maintain his anchor even against resistance. 
He has the core strength to keep defenders within his frame and control reps, and he can redirect momentum when opponents lose their balance. Furthermore, he's able to latch and tug opponents down with great force. Um, balance and leverage, they talk about issues for him, um, but they said what is impressive is his hip flexibility for his size, and that's something that the bigger you are, the str- more struggle it is. Um, you know, I'm only... Uh, I'm just under 220 pounds and I'm six foot two and I struggle with flexibility. So I don't know about being 335 pounds and six foot six, six foot six, even if you are an athlete, um, like, like, uh, Darnell Wright. Um, they say that he's got room to improve his hand usage and footwork. So that's a nice area you know, you can't be perfect going in the NFL. Um, but that could be really helpful for him. They say that he's probably a reasonable day two pick. Um, but and this was sort of drafted before the before the season, but they said a good 2022 season could vault vault him into round one. I think he had that season. Um, that's why I wanted to read that because I think he did have that season. Um, Draft Network talk about him having the makeup of a quality NFL starter. They say experience at left and right tackle against top competitions a key reason to buy in. He's got good hand technique um, and also um, good length, so that's really important. Um, functional strength and patience in pass protection. They say the top reasons for concern range in the run game, modest foot speed and tightness in the lower half. Interesting, that's what they spotted this year versus what Pro Football Network had said. Um, so that's also dependent on the games you watch um, with each scout. They talk about bend and leverage as well. Um, so that's interesting, that's, sort of, that's a little bit questioned here. They sort of talking about him second round value. Um, they compare him to Cordy Glenn from the 2012 NFL draft. They talk about him being a gap heavy run scheme, that is, but that is mindful of his modest range. They say potential early starter at right tackle. Um, so again, I kind of, I feel that this could be a guy that might be that if they see him, if they see tackles jumping off the board and he, you know, he, again, he could be a spot at that 32nd pick. I don't think he's going to be a 17th pick. I don't think they'd go that early with him. Um, but it, it'll kind of depend how many offensive linemen are taken um, in the first round. But yeah, that wraps up the American team. We're going to go to a break on Steel's War Room. During part two, we're going to look at the national team um, and those players on the national side. You know, guys to watch when it comes to the NFL draft and the senior bowl. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And 
We're back on Steel's War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matty Peveril, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, and the rest of the Steel's front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2023 and beyond, a roster that can hopefully compete for their seventh Lombardi trophy. All right, so the first player on our list is going to be in the national team is interior defensive lineman Jared Clark. Six foot four, 345 pounds, senior out of Coastal Carolina. And the reason I picked him is that the Coastal Carolina, Sean declares, um, obviously they had Grayson, um, Grayson Clark, um, I think it's the quarterback's name, um, that sort of most people would be notable with, um, you know, over the last few years in college. But I kind of wanted to look at this interior defensive lineman because Coastal Carolina have been doing better. Now, they basically, and also I think the Steelers are going to need some, some, some help in interior defensive linemen, and I think they're going to have to go to the draft to get that. They say he's an ideal fit for a run-stuffing nose tackle. Um, he added 85 pounds between 2018 and 2019. He aligns a 0 and a 1 technique for his defense. He has the build-power combination to control and occupy two gaps. He uses his power and 82-inch wing arm span to drive blockers backward. He strikes and stacks opponents with good power to collapse and reset the line of scrimmage in the run game. Once engaged, he has the ability to walk blockers into the lap of the quarterback. That's what I like from him. Might not be that pass rush, but if he can start collapsing in the middle of the offensive line, that's going to create huge opportunities um, for the Steelers' pass rushes um, and also shut down um, things in the run game. Once engaged, they um, sorry, sorry, his quickness and burst off the ball allow him to drive through gaps and create interior pressure. He's capable of making his impact felt versus gap and zone scheme runs. He understands how to attack these blocking concepts and work his way into the backfield. When he uses proper hand placement and strikes, he reduces his hitting surface to soften his rush path. Really like that analysis from the draft network. They do say there's room to improve his, his rush package. It's not polished. He's more of a build-up pass rusher at this point. He does do a nice job shocking and stacking the O-line, but he's got to focus on shedding blocks. Um, he does have a good initial pop um, on contact, but he doesn't finish the rep. And that's where something with a bit of coaching. Like These guys aren't perfect when they enter the NFL. Um, they say he could be more consistent with full lockouts and extensions. That'll allow him to stack, peak, locate, and shed easier in one-on-one situations. Um, and then that will help him being stuck on blocks. They say he's an enticing defensive tackle prospect. His ability to clog running lanes between the tackles and slice slant through his own reach blocks. He could be a nice asset to teams that love twists and stunts on the defensive line. Who does that sound like? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they say improving his hand placement um, you know, will be really helpful for him and um, you know, because he needs to improve that technic- technicality at the position. Um, and it will also help shorten his rush process to pressure opposing quarterbacks. They project him as a 3-4 nose tackle on early downs, and there is upside on third downs. I think this is a perfect guy for Steelers to bring in. Um, so just recapping, top reasons to buy into this guy. Incredible combo of arm and length power, three-down potential, got good motor, hand placement and technique, you get, except um, the reasons for concern are he gets stuck on blocks and his versatility needs to improve. Guess who they compared him to? My man from well, my draft crush from last year, who's not my man anymore, he plays for the Baltimore Ravens. That's Travis Jones. They say he's third round value. Um, I was surprised Travis Jones got taken there in the third round last year. Obviously, we took DeMarvin Leal. I wouldn't say he's a better prospect than DeMarvin Leal. Um, so I reckon he'd double up in the third round and you'd go grab um, Jared Clark and, and, again, use the third round as your, your chance to bring in um, some defensive linemen. Um, yeah, so really excited to watch Jared Clark. I do think his draft stock could improve if he has a really good senior ball. So that's one thing um, that we should be aware of. 
The next player on my list, this is a lot to uh, sort of crack uh, through in one podcast, but we're going to keep going. I've got, uh, let me pull up his profile. Uh, Yeah, Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Another edge rusher. So this is a guy, now he's an edge rusher, 6'4", 267 pounds. The reason I put him on here is I kind of feel what, like because he's well, I think he's versatile. The draft network had him there as a five technique defensive end. Now, obviously, we got that, um, you know, in in Liao last year, um, but I do think that the scheme versatility with this guy could be really interesting. He's also really big. If you were thinking about maybe an outside linebacker, um, look, he's probably going to be drafted by a four three team. Um, the top reasons to buy in for this guy are freakish athleticism, positional versatility, three down skill set. The reasons why um, they concern they share a concern is he's new to the position and he's got an unrefined pass rush package and raw technique. That's kind of interesting because um, you know they talk about him and sort of moving up to two hundred ninety pounds. So this was I'm interested to see where he actually weighs in at the Senior Bowl um, or NFL Combine because his profile says two sixty seven. The the draft network have his evaluation um, and and meaning there at two hundred ninety. Um, so that's kind of an interesting sort of situation. He was consensus three-star recruit, two-way starter on offense and defense um, in high school. Uh, he spent the first three career years of his career at Old Dominion University, who also have a player in the Senior Bowl um, this year. I think it's their first in like 30 years or something. Um, they say he's a tantalizing prospect because he's got so much untapped potential and upside. Being relatively new uh, to the position, though, again, we talk about that rawness. Um, but they like that you can move him all over the defensive front line. I bring him up, look, I think they've got this player, to be honest, in DeMarvin Leal, but I'm interested to watch a player like this given we got DeMarvin Leal and see how they're taking advantage of some of these college offensive alignment. And also, would the Steelers bring another one of these guys in now that Chris Wormley is not probably coming back? Maybe. Maybe that versatility is an interesting one, particularly if you don't go get someone on the interior. Um, but that's kind of why I like. I wanted to watch Cam White. And I sort of heard a little bit about him. Um, so I think he's worth watching because he'll test. I think he really might test some of the offensive line prospects and tackles. The next guy on the list is Jarrett Patterson. Now, we have covered him on Warham earlier on in the season. He's the center or interior offensive lineman he's listed as, but he's really a center out of Notre Dame. He's six foot four, 307 pounds. Um, now, he it was sort of that captain for Notre Dame. They talked about him maybe coming um, you know, back um, sorry, going to the NFL last year, he came back, he played left guard as a senior in 2022. Um, now, his draft profile says that there's different differing opinions on where he'll go. I think, you know, uh, and then you know, they sort of talk about, you know, the NFL liking that he will play guard and center. I think he's a center. I don't think he's a guard in the NFL. I particularly think if you think of like a Kendrick Green is not a guard, I think he's a center. Um, I just do. When I watch him play, he's only three ten pounds. He's six foot four. Um, they say the top reasons to buy in for him are intelligence, technique, block, sustained versatility. Um, the top reasons for concern are lateral mobility, second level, and space play. Um, they do say he's a rugged and tough football player who wins with technique, intelligence, and effort. Um, even though he lacks the top end athleticism, um, he could be a solid. He should be a solid starter. Heavy gap run power scheme. Um, is where he could find success early. They talk about him in the fourth round. It's kind of upsetting because he has slipped from probably a second-round pick 
to a fourth round. He didn't have a great 2022. Although I personally think he does offer value because I think if he was to go and he had gone in the draft a year or two ago, um, particularly last year, I think he would have been drafted a lot higher. Um, I do think the Steelers need to find someone to back up Mason Cole. I, I do think that we're a little bit weak in that center spot and Kendrick Green clearly isn't in favor anymore. Um, he certainly has the ire of many of the Steelers fans and probably many listeners of this show. So um, I think you could look at a replacement there and, and the fourth round, you know, if that's where Jarrett Patterson falls, I, I do think that's where that's a guy you should really consider um, in that fourth round because you're going to get a level of value from a player who I think you know, has had a bad season and um, well, not a bad season, but he's not had the best season, and then he's lost a bit of that prestige that he had, which is which is a shame because I really do think um, he's a player uh, that that will do well in the NFL. He could be a solid start or a really solid backup for a lot of teams. And so to close out the show, I thought we'd look at two prospects from my favorite college team, the Texas Longhorns, um, in Roshan Johnson, the running back. Not Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson. He's a six foot two, 223 pound uh, running back. And then we're going to look at DeMar... DeMar, DeMar uh, we're going to look at Overshawn. I just can't say that his first name tonight. <laughs> um, as I record live to it, but the linebacker out of Texas. Um, anyway, we're looking at Roshan Johnson, 500... And 554 rush yards in 2022, five TDs, yards per um, yards per carry of 5.95. He had at 128 receiving yards. Um, he's backed them up for years now. He's a four-year contributor um, that was overshadowed by Bijan over the last three years, um, but he's been a really good backup. And you watch him on tape too. You watch him in the games. He's really nice. Like when they need to give Bijan a rent, like a rest. He still provides punch at the line. He's got short area bursts to explode through lateral holes. According to the draft network, you see that on tape. He hits those gaps really nice. And then, as they say, once he's through the hole, he runs with toughness and physicality. You always feel like he's going to break the first tackle. and, and Or if someone's making a tackle, they're going to hurt. Um, he's a taller back. He's a bigger back. Kind of a bit more toward Naj- between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, um, if we were to draft him. They say he's probably a third-round value. They compare him to Latavius Murray. I don't know if I, I don't fully love the comparison. Um, but again, if he's in the third or the fourth, and I think he's a guy that slips to the fourth, there's value there. You can sort of see I'm really interested in those third and fourth round players um, for the Steelers. Um, top reasons to buy in size and power, balance, vision and patience. Top reasons for concern, pad level, lateral agility, um, are, are those sort of two things. He's not Bijan Robinson. And so I think that's the thing that hurts when you watch Texas tape is that I think people would naturally compare that. I do think he's just straight down the center runner, like he's a downhill runner versus not to the sides. But I also think it depends on the way the scheme works and the holes that are created for him. So I, I wouldn't be closed off to that. Um, but, and even the draft network sort of say something similar with their concession because they say even though he lacks hip fluidity, change direction at the drop of a hat, he is able to make sharp cuts when running downhill that make defenders miss down the field. You do see it on tape. Like he hit some of these holes so well. Um, and he's got the speed to be able to break long runs. So it, it's awesome. He's a tough runner. He's a, he's a Steelers type running back. He's a good player. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't... I think Willie Parker was faster and obviously on the outside. Um, but I think that, that the toughness in which, like, I think Willie ran, um, in my mind, you know, this guy's not a Bettis. Um, he's not that big. Um, but, you know, he's played a lot of time against good opposition. Um, and, you know, to be back up to Bijan... Um, and still show something on tape, I think is quite a big deal. 
considering Bijan Robinson, you know, a lot of people are comparing him, saying he's Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey level, um, and some of the stuff that the profiles they're starting to write um, about Bijan Robinson. So, you know, it's, it's a hard one that you're comparing him to there, um, but really a big fan of Roshan Johnson. And the final player this week, um, which I really want to talk about JL Skinner, but they haven't put him on either team yet. So um, according to the official lists on the website. So I'm not talking about JL Skinner this week, but um, I'm going to talk about Damari and Overshawn. Um, so Damari and Overshawn, 38 tackles, four sacks in 2022. He was a fifth-year senior linebacker. Well, I thought he was going to come out last year, and then he went back and played. Um, he played minimal snaps at safety early in his career, so he switched over. So he's an athletic guy. Six foot four, 220 pounds, size, speed, and athleticism. I think, you know, obviously at that size, he can put on some more weight. Maybe he's a, maybe in the league, he's a 228 to 232 pound linebacker, but it depends if, like, the, the right team, personally, I think, drafts him to play in, you know, um, you know, sort of the nickel schemes and, and, and dime schemes as well. You can do stuff with him. Um, against the run, they say he shows excellent sideline to sideline speed. You said that on tape, consistently tracks ball, carries down, and makes the tackle. On arrival, Overshawn tackles with a violent temperament and will accelerate into the ball carrier, making for a violent collision. When Overshawn triggers downhill, he has the speed to beat offensive linemen to a spot and make the tackle. When he's on the backside of the play, he can burst through the line of scrimmage and chuck the ball carrier down. He's just he's just a strong, strong, big guy. Um, against the pass, his experience playing defensive back shows. Um, he has the ability to flip his hips and get great depth in his zone drops and can make plays on the football. In man coverage, his length and size have great value and that he can match up well with big tight ends and has the athleticism to match with some slot receivers. As impressive of an athletic profile um, as Overshawn has, um, there are still parts of his game he needs to improve. They, they draft notes say against the run, he appears to be sometimes a little slow to key. Um, and diagnose run plays. You do see that a little bit on tape, I have to say, but that can be more of an exposure thing and as someone that formerly played safety. He's also a guy that, like, if you're sitting there just looking at his talent and his size and his speed, you're kind of like, is he an inside or is he an outside linebacker? Um, so that, that they do say that can that sort of challenge on the run plays means that sometimes he gets blocked when you, when you think he probably shouldn't. Um, they do say because of the size and speed, like I just said there, he's an intriguing prospect. Um, and his effectiveness will be based on teams capitalizing on versatility. That's why I like him for the Pittsburgh Steelers. As I said before, I think the versatility of him. Um, so top three reasons to buy into him are great size, length, athleticism, and speed. He's a violent tackler. Top reasons for concern, questionable against run, inconsistent tackler, lack of mass to consistently play linebacker. Yeah, that's going to be the, that's going to be the thing. Um, he has had a source that tested him at a 455. They also had him at 225 pounds. That's better. I think if he can go into the into the combine and he's like 232 pounds and he does a 455, be very, very good. They have him in the third round. I think if you don't go get a Henry, obviously if you go get a Henry Toto, you're probably not drafting DeMarvin and Overshawn. But if you do, if you do not draft um, Toto, the linebacker out of Alabama, Overshawn could be an interesting prospect, particularly if you are bringing back Miles Jack. Particularly if you're bringing back Miles Jack. Kind of similar. Obviously, Miles Jack had proven himself a lot more in college, was a first round draft pick. But, um, you know, I think when you look at the size and speed, you've got a guy that can come in here and do a lot. And I think Mike Tomlin would find a way to make Overshawn make an impact. Um, I would say that about Brian Flores, too, but I think that Brian Flores is not going to be part of the Steelers coaching staff um, for too much longer. 
But with that, we're going to wrap up this week's Steelers Warren. Thank you for joining the show. Hope the audio has come across well. Hard when I'm live on location. Can't take my mic with me. Um, but looking forward to talking to you guys next week. I want to talk about a few more college prospects, not necessarily fully in the senior bowl, but Jail Skinner is definitely a guy I want to cover because I'm starting to think he could be an interesting guy for the Steelers as well at the safety position, even if we bring back Terrell Edmonds, like I said we should on last week's Keep Consider Cut Show. But with that, have a good week, and as always, go Steelers. Yeah.